0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Through the Word podcast, as Pastors Chris Mitchell and John Bell seek to answer questions that come from the reading of God's Word, beginning in Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor John Bell. I'm Pastor Chris Mitchell. And this is Through the Word. And if you have a question for us, for our podcast, you can send that in to Through the Word and the number 22 at gmail.com that's through the word 22 at gmail.com well we pastor got
1: Chris, some good ones this week don't we from that email some folks we, have really been using that this week I we do right.
0: yes we've we've got seven questions this week that Woo. came through the email and so thank you guys for sending those in and we will we'll let's get to those and Absolutely. if you're all right with that pastor chris sure all right so the first one is in regard to the Philistines, because we had moments whenever Israelites would touch the ark and they would boom fall over dead. Mm-hmm. And so you have this group of people that they're they're not even people set apart by God who are touching or carrying the ark. And the question that we have is how did the Philistines carry the Ark of the Covenant without dying?
1: Yeah, it's a fun question. You know, um the prescribed way to carry the ark was on a set of poles. Yes. So, due to the size and weight of the Ark itself, these poles would have continued to be the best means of carrying it. Okay. Now, you figure that the Philistines undoubtedly would have noticed how the Israelites carried it on the battlefield, because remember, oftentimes, the Israelites were carrying it around almost as a good luck charm. I mean, sadly, you know, kind of using it in that way, in in some sense. Um, Okay. And so, as they would have seen that happening they would have seen how the israelites carried it Um, yes we do know the philistines had a measure of respect for god represented by the ark Uh, you see that first samuel 4 8 okay uh, says woe to us who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods these are the gods who struck the egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness so while they didn't know Yahweh as God, they certainly recognized his authority and and his power. Now, when you think about the instructions for the Ark, touching the Ark and those specific instructions were given to Israelites, not to Gentile people. And it's possible that God demonstrated grace in not killing them simply because they didn't know about the prohibition. Okay, they did recognize the ark was holy. And in some ways they did treat it in the best way they understood. Okay, but it's also. Oh, go ahead. Excuse me.
0: No, I could I could see that. But keep going, please.
1: Well, I was just saying it's also possible that the Philistines did die and the record of it simply isn't given to us in Scripture. I mean, you know, we have Uzzah and him. Reaching out and touching it and dying immediately. Right. Yes. But the text about not touching it doesn't say when the person would die. You know, it doesn't say, you know, when you touch it, you'll immediately die. It okay. just says, don't touch it. And, you know, or if you do, you'll die. Um, and so, in God's sovereign plan, the ark did get transported by the Philistines and actually with a great cost to them. Scripture says oh, yes. the hand of the Lord was heavy against them. And ultimately, it did make it back to the care of the Israelites. But um,
0: yeah, it almost made like this victory tour for God as it traveled around Philistine <laughs> right. camps and destroying different.
1: <laughs> <Right>. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but but did that when it was there. But then, you know, in our reading this week, it, it makes it into the home of Obed-Edom and, and it blesses it. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody's looking around. That's after the the Uzza incident, and everybody's like, "Ooh," you know. You can imagine bring it to my house, you know, I oh, yes. saw what was happening in Obed Edom's house, so I don't know, isn't that interesting that there's the distinction there, and, and of course, you know, because God was uh, was sovereign over those things.
0: Absolutely, well, thank you, and so we, we let's keep moving through our, our questions here, and the next one that we have has to do with that with regret, and the idea of of god regretting and so we find that in chapter 15 um mentioned there at least a couple of times of a regret for saul but then also he's a god who does not regret and so what what's going on here
1: you know when you or i speak of regret it's often in terms of something that we said or did that was unkind or against god's good plan Yes. But that's not what God means when he says he regretted setting up Saul as king because God is holy and right. in him there is no sin. I thought this was helpful. D. Smith, writing on the Gospel Coalition website, points out that God's speaking of regret is really meant to communicate his profound displeasure at sin. Yes. So Saul sinned, God regretted an action you know, that action being making Saul king. But that doesn't mean that God changed, but something that he created did change. And Mm. so God expresses that disappointment in words that we can grasp. Right. In other words, to say God regretted making Saul king is to describe in ways we would understand that God does experience deep emotional sorrow over the things which people do.
0: Yes. It's it's almost like you know we we were studying Ezekiel today, and there was a God lamenting over the destruction that He would bring upon the Egyptians. And, yes, and so you you see that even there, it's like it, it's a, almost like a lament from the Lord. Right. Well, thank you. Um, the The next question we have it's in the same chapter, and chapter fifteen, um, we come and we find a textual variance here and it's one that it it almost sets the mood for what's going on and so you have agag who comes and the textual variance is uh it's ESV shows it is cheerfully and then niv and chains and csb troubled new king james cautious cautiously um, nlt hesitantly you get where i'm going here and so (laughs) what's the hebrew translation for this? Do you you have an idea for us? Well,
1: interpreters have obviously defined Agag's position in several different ways. Yes. Here's the thing, and and for some of you who have the study Bibles, you've probably seen the little footnote. It says there that the exact Hebrew meaning is uncertain. Yes. So when that happens, you find a variety of descriptions. You mentioned those for us just in your description there. Yes. So we can't really pin down one of the specific adverbs he could be sensing all of them at the same time i mean he's potentially cheerful that death seems out of the picture but he's troubled with what might be next right so he walks in hesitantly or cautiously because he's in chains and it's hard to walk (laughs) okay (laughs) you know and this doesn't mean that any of them are necessarily wrong or that this is some sort of biblical error. Right. As as we consider context, we discover an insight into Agag's thinking, and this is what he says, Surely the bitterness of death is past. So let's think about that for a minute. In context, if he's so sure of the bitterness being past, then he might approach with a cheerfulness that would come from the feeling of having a burden released right now it doesn't mean he's walking around saying oh happy day no but, but he might have a little bit of spring in his step so but here's something interesting the hebrew word used here is only used one other time in the bible okay and that's in job 38 31 and it's clear if you go to that text i'm we won't do it here but but it's clear there that in chains is the proper understanding based on the context okay. of Job thirty-eight thirty-one. So what we can do is let context help in situations like this in 1 Samuel 15, but know that there isn't one right answer as to, to which one to use, because that particular word in Hebrew has all those different kind of meanings. Hmm. Delightfully, Almost daintily was one of the ones. You know, okay. Like I, I, I'm having a hard time seeing the King Agag kind of come in daintily, but. Yes.
0: <laughs> but so, but can you speak a little bit about, you know, just textual variance in general? I mean, is that something that we should be concerned for?
1: We should be concerned if the what's given in the text really goes against. What the context is saying, or what Scripture has said before, you know, as we talk about on on this podcast more yes. than you know multiple times, you know, letting Scripture interpret Scripture for us. So, if there was some sort of variant and and that happened, it, it, it sort of contradicted something that we've seen the word before. That's a danger. You okay, know, we need to do some more research and and go and dig into it. Here, again we're not talking about something that has to do with salvation. We're not talking about something that has to do with who God is, what he's accomplished for us, uh, right. cross, things like that. It it gives us some of that leeway to say, you know, the Hebrew's uncertain here, um, but it, it, it could mean a couple of these things. And, and really, like I was saying, they might all fit in, right. in this case. Um, but certainly wanting to be careful when we see those variants, it's good and right to sort of ask the question. We don't have to be afraid of, of going deeper into scripture, you know, Absolutely as if not. we would find something, Oh, Oh, this is going to contradict. No. Um, our God isn't going to contradict himself. So it's good to research that and, and figure that out, but uh, Absolutely. it's not something we have to be afraid of as if we might uncover some weird thing. And then, and, and then the whole Bible's, you know, no good anymore. Right. Cause that's not possible. So, <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, the, the next one has to do with I guess it could be Saul's memory or just order of timeline and and so first Samuel 16 and 17 this is regarding David um, you have him come and this is during Saul's mood swings and he's identified as your servant Jesse's son but then we have David and Goliath and then Saul says whose son is this youth and then again whose son is this young man and so what's What's going on here in this in this textual flow? Is this a, a memory problem for Saul, or is this something timeline-oriented?
1: You know, scholars land on two possibilities. Some say, yeah, it's, it's kind of a memory issue. You know, Saul, okay. the busy man, he's preoccupied with lots of kingdom things, and he didn't really take much notice in the young man who played the instrument for him. But, mm-hmm. you know, once Goliath was conquered through David's trust in the Lord, Saul couldn't help but take notice. So, some land there. Okay. Uh, some would say Saul knew who David was, but wanted to be reminded of who David's father was. Okay. You know, you look at the questions in the scriptures that you mentioned, both related uh, to who this boy belongs to. Right. You know, if he hadn't recognized David, it seems though he might have said, Well, what's your name, son? You know, you, you know, things, something like that. Yes. But Saul wanted his most valiant men as his armor bearers. So maybe he wanted to know if Jesse had more sons like David, or he may have simply wanted to know David's family lineage in order to properly reward his great accomplishments. Sure. Uh, so really, that's that's really where, where we can land on that one.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, no, thank you. Uh, next time we have a question where an evil spirit comes, and tormenting Saul. And so the question is, does God send evil spirits on people or does he just allow evil spirits to do their work without him holding them back?
1: Yeah, let's, you know, questions like these, we always want to begin with the absolute sovereignty of God. Yes. Some tend to think the world operates under some sort of dichotomy where, you know, God's in charge of the so-called good things and Satan's in charge of the so-called bad things. Right. And this means people are basically saying that God and Satan are equal and simply control different realms of the world. I um, I think we can all picture the cartoons, you know, with the little pitchfork guy on one shoulder and yes. the little angel on the other shoulder, you know, as if and the person there is having to decide which way to go. And, and both are kind of vying for their attention. You know, this could not be further from the truth. <laughs> God's absolute sovereignty means the actions of any evil spirit are subject to the authority of God.
0: Okay. Uh, Yes.
1: You know, only under God's permission, the spirit was allowed to come upon Saul and bring distress. Hmm. The spirit offering Saul leadership as King, we know had already departed him. Yes. And so God does allow evil currently, but not out of spite or if it were somehow out of his control, but always using it to accomplish his own good purposes.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, our Lord is in charge. I mean, yes. And, but we can trust in his sovereignty. He's going to work that out for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's right.
1: And I think, you know, Pastor John, we've just heard testimony. I mean, within the last week, I think of our equipped prayer time this past week of of people just starting to see, you know, I didn't expect that to happen or I wouldn't have asked God for that to happen. But, you know, now looking back, I'm, I'm saying, wow, you know, what was a tragedy or, or a terrible situation? Yes, I'm starting to see open doors and and God does that.
0: Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Yes. Um, uniquely enough, we, our next question has to do with praising our, um, Prophesizing, actually, in this passage. And no, so,
1: actually, you got it right. I mean, okay. you, you saying that really kind of answered the question. Let's go on to the next question. All right. <laughs> and so it, in chapter
0: you know, 19, verses 18 through 24, what are the people prophesizing about, most likely?
1: Yeah, you know, they're not prophets in the sense of speaking of things to come, or okay. they're not declaring, thus says the Lord. They were giving God enthusiastic praise. I mean, okay. you know, they were just really joyfully rejoicing in the God of the universe. And so those messengers, you know, that were sent to do away with David, they joined in the praise, which actually prevented them from carrying out their orders. And so when Saul realized his messengers weren't getting anywhere with destroying David, what yes. did he do? He praised. himself. <laughs> <laughs> and so... You know, the spirit of God left Saul in the sense that he was no longer working through Saul, but the spirit did come upon him to resist his evil intentions. And he started praising, too. I mean, you know, and got so worn out, he fell down eventually. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I think it's it's really interesting that that praise averted destruction. Hmm. And I think it's a great reminder of the impact of praise. Psalm twenty-two, three says, "Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel." I, I, I think it's just a great, great opportunity to praise. Yes, he is. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, yeah, with lyre and and cymbal and and tambourine and all those things too.
0: Absolutely. He and guitars our, and drums. He, just, and he deserves and, our praise.
1: Yes, he does.
0: So the next question comes from. First Samuel 25, and at the end of the, the passage, verses 43 and 44, we, we see um, some wives um, being given and some being given again. And so it says David also took Aniam of Jezebel and both of them. And so it's also speaking of Abigail and became his wives. And Saul had Michael, his daughter, David's wife, given to Patai, the son of Leish who was in Gollum. And so the the question that we have is, was there about the bindingness of marriage? Was there no binding of the spousal relationship of marriage um, during this time? And, And was there no binding once Saul had given Michael to David?
1: You know, sadly, God's design for one man and one woman for life was not widely upheld in this time period. I mean, Mm. we've we've seen it really almost since the fall, you know, as we've been walking through here. Yeah. Women were sometimes considered war prizes, but also used for political tokens to accomplish maybe some sort of edge. Mm. You know, Saul wanted David dead, but knew his daughter, Michael, liked David. So he came up with a scheme that he thought would get him killed. Talking about David, get David killed. Right, but to entice David, he offered Michael as a prize, and so you see that idea of of well, okay, if if he likes her or she likes him, in that case, you know, I'll I'll put up a, a bounty and use her as as the reward, and and that's that's not okay. Yes, uh, I'm thankful for the way biblical marriage was restored in many ways by the time of Christ's birth, but certainly in Paul's day and has been continually strengthened in strong gospel teaching churches, even today, we know marriage beautifully displays Christ's love for his bride, the church, and nothing can separate us from that love. And so while these marriages are not, you know, that we're talking about here with, with Saul or David, or, I mean, and, you know, as we read on, I mean, David just takes more and more wives. And then of Mm. course, you know, we get to Bathsheba and that horrible incident. So it's not God's ideal. But I'm thankful for the way that our marriages, you know, for, for those who are in a biblical marriage, can faithfully point to the one who does hold all things together.
0: And, and praise the Lord. And and then God uses those also as instruments for our own sanctification as we get to be more like him and our spouse does as well. And it's That's just right. a, it's a sweet thing what what God has designed. And, yeah. and so we want to uphold that. And and it's something we want to celebrate. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And thank you guys for sending in these questions this week. We enjoyed being able to talk through um, some of 1 Samuel. But if you have any questions from First or Second Samuel, please send those in to through the word 22 at gmail.com. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, Pastor John.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. Talk to you all soon.
1: Bye. Yes. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Through the Word podcast. If you have any questions for us, please send those in to Through the Word 22 at gmail.com. That's Through the Word and the number 22 at gmail.com. God bless you. Have a great day.